Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you downloaded us from. Thank you for doing that. Tell your friends about us. You can rate us weekly. And this is a special guest, Dennis Disher, D-I-S-C-H-E-R. You can get in touch with him with Disher Lab in Google, is a professor and a chair at the University of Pennsylvania School of Engineering. This is about fat cells And the interesting thing that fat cells and fat-filled lipid droplets can do. He is, in fact, the Robert D. Bent chair holder and the professor at the University of Pennsylvania School of Engineering and Applied Science. Um, And so thank you very much for coming on. But before I get to you, I should tell everybody about our two sponsors, lifesfirstnaturals.com, the makers of both TrueBiotics and Bovine Colostrum. There's a TrueBiotic brand just for perimenopausal and menopausal women. You can find out about that and the randomized double-blind studies they've done to show the benefits of that at Life's firstnaturals.com. The other sponsor is our own website, longevityplaybook.com. You can sign up for two free newsletters a week. They're short, 250 words, summaries of some of the latest in longevity, and they always come with a cartoon to help you have more fun. That's at longevityplaybook.com. Dr. Disher, how did you get in the field of fat, if you will, from where you were? Yeah, great question. So it goes back a dozen years, and arguably even further, but about a dozen years ago, we were trying to understand how stem cells give rise, differentiate, we say, into different tissue cell types. And we did this by characterizing the molecules in the different tissues and how much they differed from one tissue to another. So even earlier work had shown that the sort of the obvious, you know, bone is rigid, muscle is somewhat stiff, but not as rigid as bone, and fat is softer, brain is softer still. And we identified molecules that sort of follow that trend, are very low in the very soft tissues and higher and higher in the stiffer and stiffer tissues. The most abundant protein in you and I, and in in animals in general, collagens, they increase from brain through fat to muscle and and highest in bone. And then we also discovered in the approach we took that looking at thousands of other molecules, that a nuclear protein also showed that trend. Let me clarify that. So a nuclear protein was stiff. It had a lot of collagen with it. So this nuclear protein was abundant in tissues that are stiff. So this nuclear protein, it's called lamin, doesn't really matter. It's a little bit like a keratin molecule, the keratin that makes up your hair and in your skin, but it's in the nucleus protecting the DNA. So this lamin molecule is at higher and higher levels in this different stiffer tissues. And we showed, coming back to what I said, stem cells require certain levels of this, sort of the optimal levels of this, 
in order to, of this lamin molecule, this keratin-like molecule, the stem cells need the optimal levels to become fat or to become bone. So we played with the levels in an artificial way and said, yeah, that is really optimized for, say, making a stem cell into a, a fat cell. Does the amount of lamin determine what kind of cell the stem cell will be, or does the somehow the tissue signal to get rid of some or get more to signal the stem cell? Well, in fact, the coming back to collagens are outside the cell, and they also contribute, but the lamin in and of itself sends a, a pretty significant modulating signal. It's right around the DNA, to imagine at least, modulating directly genes that are expressed by the DNA. Now, tell us the link between that and fat and the fat little globules in every cell, right? Right. So I mentioned fat. That was one of the one of the tissues that we were trying to understand here. They have intermediate levels of this lamin protein. They have intermediate levels of this collagen. The tissue is sort of intermediate stiffness. And and we showed, yeah, it's really optimized for those, the levels of these proteins are optimized for fat. And we showed this in the dish. And in doing that, we saw these, what you're asking about, the fat droplets, these lipid-like lipid, lipid droplets, fat droplets, are colliding with the nucleus and impinging and making the nucleus almost look like a holly leaf. So we guessed way back, as I said, this was about a decade ago, we guessed that that what this lamin was doing and in, in being at a suitable level was protecting, not just modulating DNA gene expression, but also protecting the nucleus. And we left it at that. We said, oh, maybe this has something to do with protecting against DNA damage. So eventually we decided, let's look into that. It was a lot of speculation for a few years, but we tackled it most directly in recent work. And and that long story short that, you know, I'm happy to expand on much more. That long story short is, yeah, uh, if the levels of that lamin are too low, then these fat droplets that accumulate during what we say adipogenesis, fat cell development, those lipid droplets, they're like little BBs in the cell before they coalesce into a giant fat droplet. And those BBs indent and can puncture the nucleus, rupture it causing indeed DNA damage if the lamin levels are, are indeed low, as we, as we said. You know, there should be an optimal level. Certainly not too low, and we have other reasons to think not too high. It has other effects. When I take in excess sugar and produce more fat, that's fat in general in the liver, and some of that goes into each cell and accumulates as a fat droplet. Is that right? Right. So through various metabolic pathways systemically, many cell types in the body indeed accumulate those fat molecules. But the fat molecules, to give you a picture, and I, I have this oil and vinegar salad dressing, right? So oil is fat, right? Molecules of fat coalescing into droplets, and the vinegar is basically water. You and I Tissue-wise, cell-wise, 70% water, mostly water, right? So these small amounts of fat molecules are dispersed as droplets. If I shake them, they're small droplets. If I add more and more of those fat molecules, making more and more droplets, they coalesce with time, just like my salad dressing, into one big droplet or one big layer, right? They phase separate. 
they start initially coming back to, as you say, the in individual cells in the body as small fat droplets that then, like that oil and vinegar salad dressing, eventually accumulate lots of droplets filling the interior of the cell, not the nucleus, but the interior of what we call the cytoplasm, outside the nucleus, but within the cell. And if you get enough of them, with time, they fuse to a giant droplet. But in that intermediate phase, when there's a cytoplasm filled with droplets, even when they're just sparse, they're small, they're spherical, and they sort of dominate the interactions with other organelles. So the nucleus in particular, as I say, caught our eye a decade ago. And they can invade the nucleus, as you say, or at least be a BB towards the nucleus. It's like I said, a BB coming in contact. And that BB, the force that holds that, that fat droplet in that spherical shape, is the same force that drives your oil and vinegar, once you disperse it, to coalesce back, right, in minutes. That interfacial tension is a force that drives the phase separation and really keeps those phases separate. And at the small scale, it's particularly dangerous. So more fat in the cell is better? Actually, it's rather interesting like that. You still have an indentation of the nucleus, but because it's more fat, it's a bigger spheroid, and the indentation is as if you have a cannonball indenting the nucleus. Maybe it's a bad example, but it's low curvature. Now, what that would say is we should all be fat. I think we live in an age where maybe fat isn't disastrous, but to get from you know no fat to the high fat, you transit. You have this intermediate where you have the small droplets. So, is the lesson from this that we want to avoid all droplets and we should be ectomorphs? As I look at you, you look rather like an ectomorph, thin. Or is there a state of lamin? Should we have more protein in our body and that protects us? So give me a message I can give to people who want to know, what should I be changing in my life because of this? I think a bit of both. Moderation in both of those in, in the sense that too much fat in too many cells is more likely to have these small droplets present before they coalesce. And so the back and forth between using up the fat and then reaccumulating poses dangers. So, you know, where we're at now with the science, and this was published in a basic journal of cell biology, you know, foundational, fundamental journal in the field, is that those small droplets pose the biggest danger. So the larger, less so, and not none, no danger. But as you bring up rightly, and as I introduced, we got interested in this from the point of view of the nucleus. And so the right lamin levels, and I think are really key, and there's some evidence of problems in disease against, again, a, another motivation. There's diseases of lipodystrophy, where there's deficiencies in fat that are attributable directly to this lamin molecule and defects and deficiencies in its accumulation. So one of the things we know in medicine is that we should have about four grams of leucine every four hours, as it's the thing that stimulates, if you will, muscle growth or protein growth, cell growth. Does it contribute to lamin, or is that part of the process? Is there some 
And another, if you will, corollary of this is most of us as we get older don't get enough protein, don't get enough leucine to stimulate the appropriate growth periods. Yes. Speaking specifically to muscle growth, having mentioned lipodystrophy, muscular dystrophy also can arise from deficiencies, mutations in this lamin. It's for very similar reasons. Muscle is a stiffer tissue. It has lots of collagen. Obviously, it generates stress through contractions. And that stress is, again, transmitted within the cell to the nucleus. And you can literally tear the nucleus apart if there's defects and deficiencies in the lamin level. So certainly these lamins have leucines. I don't know offhand whether there's more leucine in this protein or not, but it is a structural protein that has to be there in the nucleus. And so building muscle, maintaining muscle, not only is maintaining the contractile properties of the cell, but also the resilience of the nucleus, yes. We've been talking with Dennis Disher, D-I-S-C-H-E-R. You can find out more about this at Disher Lab. Disher Lab, just do a Google search, but Disher Lab is where you can find out more about this as the research advances. Fascinating. This may be why weight cycling, that is losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, is more dangerous than just keeping weight or more dangerous than staying thin. I, th- I think that's, a, that's what I was trying to say at a more, let's say, cellular level. That's right. The cycles of, of bringing those fat droplets in, if your nucleus isn't properly tuned, which may include natural aging, there are changes to the lamin levels in natural aging. And again, I can point to a disease. Some of your listeners may have seen, you know, at the supermarket or otherwise, pictures of of young kids that look like octogenarians. And so this uh, progeria syndrome, as it's called, the most common mutation is in these lamins. And the thought is, and the evidence is pretty good, that accelerated aging in these kids is also to some extent the process that occur is occurring with lamins in you and I as we age. I want to thank you for being here. We will keep following this. I think the messages I'm taking at home are avoid weight cycling and maybe being of intermediate size. Maybe it's better to be either ectomorph or mesomorph to stay stable. Also, the message is that I think is implied is that we need to build up our lamin one way or another, and I'm going to look into more about that and hope to continue the conversation. Thanks very much for downloading us. This has been 1175B. The Bs are always stimulating guests as Disher, D-I-S-C-H-E-R, Lab has been. We, of course, are brought to you by True Biotics and Bovine Colostrum, both found at Life's First Naturals, with an S, dot com, and by LongevityPlaybook.com. Thank you for downloading us. You're the reason we do this. So thank you very much. And Dennis, thank you for being on. We'll be back next week. We hope you are as well.